Good evening, and thank you for joining us tonight. A sad period. Our thoughts and prayers are going to those who have been affected by the recent events in Boulder, Colorado, and in Atlanta. Our topics tonight include a two-part discussion on the recent violence and the quick push of the agenda against guns, including a look at the racial hate crimes against Asian Americans. There's three goals. The first is to further divide this nation in general. The second is to further divide the tension between white and other races. The third is to further categorize people based on their race and gender. Unfortunately, it seems that we have now been seeing this new stage of categorization play out in the United States. The second amendment says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms should not be infringed. In fact, when you woke up this morning, did you in your mind today think that I would be killing somebody? 100% of the chance you said no. Me neither. And I think millions of Americans and millions of gun owners don't wake up in the morning and decide that they're going to murder somebody today, let alone a bunch of people. Why do we need guns? This guy had an answer. For him, it was to push back against robbers and home invaders. Well, the fundamental idea of having guns is to keep the government in check. It's to tell that the government is working for the people of this country. And this idea is the foundation of the United States. So why does the left want to get rid of guns? Well, they seem to think that every mass shooting is the chance to slowly, incrementally take away the guns and then chip down the second amendments. Guns are not the enemy of the American people. I mean, statistically, they're not. Some 40% of Americans own a gun. One out of those become the mass murderer. The enemy of the people is the party that is trying to take away the only defense against a socialist takeover. There's a few points about the recent shooting in Boulder, Colorado, along with the other one that happened in Atlanta last week. You know the facts. Well, unless facts are now racist too. Now, the first point is gun control laws are being pushed by the Democrats, And this has been happening for years now. It is called for every time there is a new shooting that occurs. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki told reporters on Tuesday that the Biden administration is considering a range of potential actions on gun control, including executive actions, in the wake of the mass shooting on Monday. Now, she didn't make it clear if Joe Biden himself would propose legislation to repeal liability protection for gun manufacturers, which is something that he had promised during his campaign trail. At the same time, the House passed reforms for gun control just yesterday, but it's likely to be blocked in the Senate by the filibuster rule. The filibuster is still remaining to be the only blockage that stops the one-party rule in Washington. So with this shooting, the one that happened in Atlanta last week, the ones that have happened over the years in schools, the ones that have happened over the last decades, all of it, All of it is blamed on gun ownership and gun rights, suggesting that solving gun policies and adding more measures to guns is the way to go. Now, this sounds very good on paper. It does. The idea is that the left is now pushing what we're calling a keeping gun restriction. Now, they want stricter gun control. In return, we should see less death occurring. As in the communism video we released, we know that laws don't govern people's mind nor their actions. The crimes happen regardless if you have the laws or not in place. Think about this. Throughout history, 
killing has always been a crime facing death or severe punishment. Yet people hasn't stopped killing. Guns have been used in massive shootings all around the world. Gun laws have never prevented mass shooting from happening either. Senator Ted Cruz on Tuesday pushed back on gun control and the proposals by his Democratic colleague accusing them of taking advantage of recent tragedies to advance their goal of taking away guns from Americans. Thoughts and prayers are not enough. And yet, thoughts and prayers is all we have heard from my colleagues on the other side. Thoughts and prayers must lead to action. I agree. It is time for us to do something. And every time there's a shooting, we play this ridiculous theater. I don't apologize for thoughts or prayers. I will lift up in prayer people who are hurting, and I believe in the power of prayer, and the contempt of Democrats for prayers is an odd sociological thing. The core problem is that people are not morally responsible enough to govern themselves. The left wants AR-15s gone. The question I want to ask is, would more gun owners have prevented the tragedy from happening? Had a person with a weapon helped to aid Officer Tally in his brave defense, would the situation have been different? Now, these are just butts scenarios, but let's get to the real issues. They want guns gone, period. First, it will be the large guns, and then the handguns, and the next, no guns. The end goal is very clear for the left, to get rid of the Second Amendment. What is stopping the full-on communist takeover is the 300 plus million guns in the United States. I've repeatedly said this, the first thing the communists will do when they take over is get rid of guns. The Bolsheviks did it in Russia. Mao Zedong and the CCP immediately took guns away. And we know what happened to the people of the countries that had their guns taken away. They suffered even bigger casualties, death by the millions, from man-made famines, political movements, and religious persecutions. Our second point, in the case alone, the FBI knew about the murderer. His name, Ahmed Al-Alawi Alissa, was on their list of watch. According to the New York Times, the suspect's identity was previously known to the FBI because he was linked to another individual under investigation by the Bureau. And according to enforcement officials, maybe the FBI was too busy getting the boomers of the January 6th riot than to actually be chasing down terrorists. So was this racially motivated? Well, it didn't seem to fit the left's narrative of a white male. Again, the media comes out and plays the part of the judge. Before the identity of the shooter was even revealed, the media has already been assuming that he was white. Now, no responsible gun owners decided that they wanted to shoot other civilians. The Boulder shooter purchased a weapon just six days before the shooting happened. How would gun reforms help to prevent this case? In Colorado, all gun purchasers must have gone through a background check. How did this person acquire the weapon? If the FBI, first of all, knows about him, and then if the Colorado background check somehow did not reveal any suspicion, despite the brothers of the shooter saying that he was mentally unstable. So how did the gun get sold? We don't know how exactly that occurred, but according to the affidavit, a semi-automatic rifle was used. He also bought a Ruger AR556 pistol on March 16th, but the location of the purchase wasn't detailed. The romantic partner of Alisa's oldest brother told officers that she had seen Alisa playing with a gun she thought looked like a machine gun about two days ago. 
So this guy isn't even going to be considered a gun owner, one of the 300 million plus people. Now, if he literally just possesses a gun for a while, for a few days, in fact, just for the purpose of killing people, and you can't justify denying all 300 plus million people their constitutional right just because of this. Alyssa in the affidavit also was described of having a bullet stuck in the gun and was playing with the firearm, which made two others in the house whose names were redacted upset. Now the left is pushing universal background checks across the country. Now they also want to take away the guns based on these recent cases, especially the AR-15s. Now the third point is, of course the left is playing up the fear tactics that For average American citizens, every trip outside to, say, supermarkets is a trip bound to be where a mass shooting can happen. The chance of that, quite low. But former President Obama weighed in on this. He says, we can't go outside without fearing for our lives. Now, the left has generally echoed the same narrative in recent days, that everywhere mass shootings are happening simultaneously. And the only way to fix it is to adopt strict gun control. And Vice President Kamala Harris also criticized those who are speaking against gun control in a very emotional message that, for some reason, both of them fails to recognize the actual reality of gun violence. So let's talk statistics. Now, mass shootings depends on how you define it. For example, it can be three deaths or more. According to Mother Jones database, Tally found a, over the course of the roughly 39 years since 1982 to 2021, including the recent Boulder shooting, 975 people in total were murdered by gun violence of any type of gun. Of of those, the number goes down for semi-automatic assault rifles like AR-15. So of the 330 million people in the United States, that works out to be around 0.0000295454%, reaching essentially 0% of people who have died from gun violence over the last 39 years. So no, people do not die every day from mass shooting. Mother Jones, the database also shows that between 2007 and 2017, in that 10-year period, there were 495 people murdered in mass shootings. When breaking down those shootings by the weapons involved, it is revealed that around half of those victims, around 253, were murdered by a perpetrator with an assault weapon, such as an AR-15. Over the same time frame, FBI annual crime reports show that there were 150,000 homicides in total, of which 103,000 involved firearms. This means that mass shootings involving AWs constitutes 0.17% and 0.24% of all homicides and firearm homicides, respectively. According to the Washington Post article, in 2020, gun violence killed nearly 20,000 Americans. And according to the Gun Violence Archive, their data, more than any other year in at least two decades, an additional 24,000 people died by suicide with a gun. So that number is already higher than that of the mass shootings of the last 40 years. Are these also justifying for the mass shooting as they stand as the case of needing to restore moral principles into the American society is probably the bigger issue we should be looking at and not taking away a foundational principle. How come it is only talked about when a mass shooting happens that fits the narrative, or potentially fits it, that we start to hear their gun control push? The fourth point is, where does the narrative go from here? 
Well, with the Atlanta victims of the shooter, we can say that he was a white male as the media pushed it to be a racially motivated uh, hate crime against Asians. Well, on paper, at least, it kind of works. But I will touch on that more later in our next segment. But for this shooter, he hates Trump. He's not white. He isn't a Christian. And all 10 victims he had kills were white people. None of, of the existing gun laws worked with him. He was able to get a weapon. And he was also on the FBI's watch list, though probably lower priority. And he probably had jihadist motivation potentially definitely not a white supremacist. And he was also mentally unstable. From a list of suspects of the 2020s mass shooting, as defined as four or more death, according to this tweet, looks to be quite racially diverse to me. Same with 2019. So you really can't just say that white people have more mass shooters or that they are nearly all white mass shooters. That somehow is now this reality when it is a big, big myth. As well, with the the RAND Corporation, they released an extensive scientific analysis of available evidence on gun control measures and how they relate to various crime outcomes. Regarding the effect of assault weapon bans on mass shootings, they determined the evidence was, quote, inconclusive. So the FEE constructed a table using Mother Jones data on mass shootings. Now, prior to the 1994-2004 ban on assault rifles, in uh, weapons, sorry, introduced by Bill Clinton, an average of five people were killed with assault weapons in mass shootings per year. Now, during that ban, the number went down slightly to four per year. Now, post-ban, it rose to 22. Mass shootings with assault weapons didn't rise until 2012, eight years after the ban had ended. In the seven years after the ban, there was only an average of four people killed in mass shootings with assault weapons per year. So where would that take the narrative now then? For the left to just justify any gun law changes or more gun laws or taking away guns in general, it's not standing for itself. And we do have a problem, though. Innocent people are dying to what we're seeing as political agenda. And this should not be the case. And we have to identify the underlying problem. People are performing evil acts to destroy normal American people's lives. Because of their need to advance an agenda. It is their attempt to get a socialist takeover to happen. Now remember, every time there is a social chaos, a crisis, it is a chance for a communist takeover. A smaller step is a gradual shift towards communism. The big sparks only happen when you get all of the small steps to fall into place. First, it was silencing speech. Next, they canceled the MAGA movement. Then we have election law reforms. Next, we have new healthcare push. And now they want guns out. So do you see how this is all but slow small steps, seemingly disconnected, but in reality, very much connected? It's a grand scheme brewing. By the time average Americans have realized that they have been played, it's already too late. Each step, they sow chaos and hatred amongst families and average American people. They wish to see the rift and division become so massive, it leads to a need for a revolution. And that is the communist goal. And their current step? Asians. Let's talk about this racial politics with Asian Americans, shall we? I mean, I have a right to speak as I am Asian on this issue, but soon I might be called a racist too. First, the socialists and the communists saw that the racial segregation in the country works and that uh, there were social movements. They capitalized on it and then they tried it within the black community. Further, the hatred. It worked and now they're going to the Asians. 
the glorious minority in the U.S. Horrific headlines have recently proliferated across social media and the news industry depicting Asian Americans as victims of an increasing spate of assaults, both verbal and physical. Examining what's behind the trend requires a deeper look into a complex, multifaceted issue. Federal data shows that there were 158 anti-Asian hate crimes reported in 2019 by police agencies to the FBI, up from 148 the year before. Now, more recent data hasn't come out yet. People are arguing that it is because Asians do not report the crimes. Racism has always existed, of course. Some gun under the table, some have been more vocal and verbalized. Asians have increasingly been prey to racially motivated crimes, although the extent of the problem varies depending on the source. Sure, Asians, especially immigrants, have faced racism, and I won't deny that. That is a fact. But it's more apparent that apparently since the COVID pandemic, the surge of Asian hate crimes have gone up. The left is spending it as the reason for the surge is Trump calling it the China virus. But just with guns, we have to be careful with how we interpret crimes or this situation in general. Were there always uh, underreported or unreported? Or is there another reason, maybe politically motivated to capitalize on it now? Remember, Asians weren't the spotlight ever until this pandemic. And communists use every opportunity and every tool at its disposal to subvert society, including using race. It's a very common strategy. Its century-old goal is to sow division and chaos. Asians are now the latest tool for them. Seeing the success and the destruction behind the Black Lives Matter movement, we're now seeing the push for Asian Lives Matter. Let's start with a simple logical discussion. Who really should be responsible for the hate against Asians? Take the China virus case narrative, for example. The left blames Trump for causing the hate crimes. But calling it China virus doesn't actually dictate that it is in fact the Chinese people who manufactured it. Well, actually, the better reason is we should probably more appropriately name the virus. So maybe Trump should have been calling it the CCP virus, as we have been calling it, because it directly takes the responsibility of this pandemic onto the Communist Party of China as the sole responsible entity in getting the world to this chaos. It's, the, it's to reflect the role of the Communist Party in failing to contain the virus spread to the world. CCP officials knew in early December 2019 that the virus had appeared in Wuhan, but nevertheless sat on the information for six weeks as locals and visitors continued to come and go, spreading the virus across the world uninhibited. CCP officials arrested those who tried to warn of the danger, accusing them of spreading rumors. They were also employing the communist regime's rigorous censorship to prevent media coverage and delete any mentions of it from social media. Amidst all of this, the CCP hasn't hesitated in exploiting the recent narrative to push its own propaganda and further divide the United States. It's happy to see the state of chaos right now. According to scholars, human rights activists, and journalists who have pointed out that the Chinese regime has weaponized racism by conflating criticisms of the CCP with discrimination against Chinese people. Adrian Zenz, a senior fellow in Chinese studies at the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation, who has exposed horrific human rights abuses committed by the CCP, said there's a, quote, new trend of weaponizing racism against scholarship in China. You gotta keep this in mind. 
Mao Zedong was one of the most prominent examples of using racial division. Keep in mind that that was sowing hatred between the Chinese and the Japanese. But then also later, it was sowing hatred between divisions against the Chinese people itself. Zenz wrote in a Twitter post that hawkish CCP-run media, the Global Times, has accused him and Washington Post journalist Josh Rogan of being responsible for anti-Asian racism in the U.S. Both had been critical of the CCP's regime and its human rights abuses against Chinese citizens. Zenz wrote on Twitter as well, quote, Previously, some on social media accused scholars researching Chinese influence operations in the West of having, quote, blood on their hands. Last Thursday, three days after the Atlanta shooting, FBI Director Christopher Wray says the shooting did not appear to be racially motivated. The police response was as well confirming this case. But the very next day, Biden and Harris immediately ran to Atlanta to meet with Asian leadership on Friday, encouraging the Asian community gets to do what? Rise up and have their voices heard. Huh, this sounds so familiar to me because it is communist political movement. They're pretty much starting a slogan. And they're trying to start this politically motivated racial tension movement with the Asians as the victims. Subsequently, many social progressive groups, including Planned Parenthood, pro-communist Asian groups like San Francisco Chinese for Affirmative Actions, with the backing from the CCP behind them, started anti-Asian racist movements. Now, you would think that their pure intention is to actually just fight for the racial justice for Asians, right? Nope. It's the same tactics they used with Black Lives Matter. Communist actors blended into the groups and began their own communist agendas. This same tactic has been used over and over again in Russia, China, Cuba, Vietnam, North Korea. Everywhere communism goes, it's the same type. Blend in, using the bigger entity. Get their agenda done. With Asians, it's even easier. The CCP can just send over the mainland actors. This sign here reads, down with U.S. imperialism. Wait, where have I heard this before? Oh wait, this is communist slogans. This sign here, I'll translate it for you. The top says, hashtag stop hate crimes against Asians. The second line then says, also. Now the third line from the left to the right says, black lives matter, legalize prostitution, fight against white supremacy, and then goes to the right columns. It says, cancel immigration and customs enforcement, ICE, decolonize this land, and crush patriarchy. So why would an anti-Asian hate protest require all these additional measures or, I guess, promises that are so irrelevant to the actual movement of anti-hate crimes against Asians? Well, because they want to divide Asians into this victimization mode. And they want to make sure that they're the victims. Make them feel like they're suppressed. Create this second-class mentality. This feeling like there needs to break from this suppression, this systemic racism. They do this because they want to break the mental will to succeed, break their future, comply with communism and socialism. They want to draw the racial line. They want to draw the liberal brainwashing. And they want to categorize people. Class struggle. You now realize, oh, maybe their goal isn't to actually protect the Asian safety, but rather, we have to see it as young Asian men and women are becoming the next series of woke soldiers who are willing to listen to this all. The communist goal is to put division between two or more groups. The idea is very simple. The ideal of socialism functions on hatred. 
it cannot operate if there is no hatred. It creates this idea that without true communist utopia, all aspects of society are in the mode of hate. It's trying to pit two groups constantly fighting against each other. It's to re react to this eternal peace that we must reach communism for us to get eternal peace. But this idea is fully incorrect. As people function in society, we live and learn, uh, but interpersonal relationships and growth happen because we get experience, and we don't avoid conflicts because we need to learn from those. And we do not reach a better place with political struggle and racial division, let alone hate. So that is it for tonight. Those were some of my thoughts regarding the recent events. Thanks for watching.